Hey guys, Warren Sharp here, and I want to drop an outstanding deal right into your lap, and that is 30% off anything at the website with the coupon code GET30, G-E-T-3-0. And it's a huge week for us this week because this is the first week heading into week three that we release NFL computer totals. These things went 23 and 5 last year, 61.8% lifetime over 15 years of doing this. This is what we started the website for. Rich's fantasy analysis and worksheet is absolutely unparalleled. And you get that too if you purchase the all access package. I highly recommend you run over to the website right now. Take advantage of this 30% off deal because it will end Sunday. Use the coupon code GET30, 30% off anything. Lots of betting picks already released right now, including multiple computer totals and we're going to be dropping these things every week from here on out the rest of the season welcome to the sharp waiver wire and injury show for sharp football i am your host todd burrows and you can find me on twitter at bestball nfl joining me to sum up week two and to help you to prepare for week three As always, our Curtis Hirsch at Curtis Harsh, H-A-R-S-C-H, our waiver expert and Tucker Bagley at T. Bagley Sports, who handles injuries for sharp football analysis. Gentlemen, welcome to week two show. Tucker, what was your biggest takeaway from week two? I mean, I think the the biggest one is I was the guy who wasn't necessarily buying all the Buffalo Bills hype. Heading into week one, I understood how talented they were. I didn't think they were going to be the the best team of football and and revolutionize the sport the way some people thought. But, man, watching them dismantle Tennessee last night, they're for real. And if you look at their their team across the board, I mean, they don't even have a full roster right now. Tredavious White is still about a month away from playing. Gabe Davis was inactive. Matt Milano was dealing with an injury issue. Ed Oliver didn't play last night. I mean, this is a team that's as banged up as pretty much any team in the NFL right now, and they're putting up 40 points a game. It's unbelievable watching them play right now. Yep, I would agree with that. Curtis, your big takeaway from last week. Yeah, I think I want to mention something about the coaching and how it's affecting different teams and setups. We've got Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, who are talented and have some talented players around them, but their systems are just not allowing them to showcase what they have. And then you have Jared Goff and Tua who are without a doubt, not as talented as the two guys I mentioned, but their coaches are putting them in situations and utilizing the talent around them that is allowing them to succeed. So it's kind of interesting how much coaching is matter matters on these offensive systems early on in the season. Yeah, and and we do try and gauge that, but every year someone seems to either surprise us or disappoint us. Um, For me, my big takeaway, um, you know, is that even though I've had a horrible start to the season, don't get discouraged, right? So Kyle Pitts, one of my most owned guys, he, you know, Arthur Smith can't be this dumb for forever. Um, yes, would be my my takeaway. Um, and you can still make it up with a couple good weeks by a guy like that who can really crush it. Um, and as far as DFS goes, 
it was kind of one of those frustrating things where I was way overweight on Tua and Lamar Jackson week one when they didn't get there. And I didn't play any of either of them in week two. So I had the right idea. It just didn't work out at the time that I wanted to. So stick to your process, learn as well if you did make mistakes. But, um, you know, maybe I should double down on the guys that I faded this week. Um, Curtis, let's move on. You discussed in your waiver article uh, that this week is more of a strategy week rather than a big waiver week. Can you explain that for us and what strategy are you advising? Yeah, I just wanted to mention to some of our subscribers that are 0-2, they start to hit the panic button and just start bidding on players recklessly and trying to make up for the slow start. Unfortunately, this week, there's not a lot of big play hits out there. So it's one of those weeks where you still have to take it slowly, bid aggressively on players that are going to provide you a, a one-week or two-week replacement. But don't don't go crazy. Don't be spending 40% of your budget this week. It, the players aren't there for year-end success. And then I just kind of wanted to mention you talk about some of our preseason biases and views on players. I just wanted to mention an Adam Grant quote, a sign of intellect is the ability to change your mind in the face of new facts. This is super important, especially in fantasy football, because we've now got two weeks of games and evidence to either confirm some of our biases or to change our minds on some of our biases. And a lot of us just stick in the sand and don't want to change our minds on certain situations. So uh, I mentioned Garrett Wilson is one. I, I was the, the belief that Elijah Moore was going to be the better receiver. And I, I don't know why I came up with that. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a top 10 draft pick and he's definitely shown that he's going to be the guy that eats there. So just being able to change your view is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Right. And but at the same time, you mentioned panic as it relates to not overspending on waivers. This I agree with 100%. But I would argue not to panic over a very short um, amount of time of results that we have so far. Anybody who does models for a living will tell you in DFS, they really don't settle till after about four weeks, right? So it would be easy to say Garrett Wilson is better than we thought and Elijah Moore isn't as good. And I think certainly there's some truth to that, right? Garrett Wilson just gets open. Uh, and for DFS, you know, you do want to adjust that. At the same time, you have to look at the whole situation that right now Joe Flacco is the quarterback, but in, in two, three weeks, Zach Wilson will come back and he might have a different favorite. So you, you want to, when you're looking at changing your mind, you, you, I agree 100% that you want to do it, but you also want to make sure that you're not being hasty and overlooking key facts that need to be considered. Tucker, would you agree with that? I would agree with that because I think the one thing, especially in fantasy football, is people do panic because it is such a short season. You see that a lot in the NFL and you, you see that a lot in fantasy football. So not only changing your mind and being able to pivot, but I'm sure that there are a lot of us out there who have 
high draft picks that may not be going according to plan or have guys on your bench who you expected to, you know, step up and be a key contributor. And after two weeks, if you're 0-2, you may be trying to hit the panic button. You may be wanting to reset, but you, you need to kind of stay consistent in your approach. Right. And overbidding on players who aren't going to really make a difference is only going to put you in a further hole. So it's hard to be patient, but I wouldn't uh, push the, and I've got a couple O and two teams and I am not, I'm going to be disciplined with those two teams. Um, Thankfully my season long teams are doing very well overall. Uh, So, you know, but those two teams, I am not going to panic on. Let's move into the meat of the show, which is the injuries and waivers by position. Tucker, obviously the big injury at the quarterback position is Trey Lance. Um, I read on Twitter that it might be a career-threatening injury. I know that doesn't affect us for waivers, but what have you been able to suss out as uh, both the long-term prognosis for Trey Lance as well as how are you advising handling him going down before we go to Curtis. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because even if the injury doesn't, you know, affect his career long term, just the situation he is affects his career long term. This is now a kid who's third overall. He's going to be entering his third year in the NFL next year with really no experience. And, you know, they're going to have to talk about picking up a, a fifth year option at the end of next year. The 49ers are really handcuffed because they pretty much went into this year ready to turn the franchise over from Jimmy Garoppolo into Trey Lance. And as of right now, you've spent the number three overall pick and pretty much have gotten zero value from him through his first two years. And we all know the the best value you can have in the NFL is a productive quarterback on a rookie contract. And right now they're losing that value. With every game he doesn't play, that pick looks worse and worse. And I wonder how quickly they might be willing to move off him. I mean, you look forward just to next year alone. I don't know if they want to, keep him around considering he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He wasn't really successful when he was on the field. And this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, not only now, but in the future. So if they think either sticking with Jimmy G long-term is an option, or they go out and find a veteran quarterback, I do think Trey Lance's time in San Francisco is certainly in jeopardy. And as someone who owns Trey Lance in multiple fantasy football leagues, I'm worried about my outlook moving forward, too. I, I think there are some other options at quarterback right now, guys who have impressed in the first couple of weeks. But, yeah, it, it certainly is worrisome, the, the situation that he's in and the 49ers are in. My takeaway on that is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to play a lot better than he did last year for them to revisit re-signing him. Uh, well, a lot better than he's played the last two years. While he's been better than Lance, it hasn't been by much, which is why they were willing to move off him for Trey Lance. Um, but I do agree with you. The problem is it's a lot easier to need a quarterback than it is to get a quarterback. And that's why they spent three picks to move up to get him. And it really is the kind of miss if you do miss that can cost people their jobs. Tucker, any other injuries at the quarterback position you're looking at? If not, we'll send it over to Curtis so that he can uh, discuss who he likes at waivers at the quarterback position. Yeah, the only other two situations I'm monitoring is Justin Herbert has that fractured cartilage in, in his ribs, so I think a lot of people have forgotten about because that came all the way back on Thursday, well before the Trey Lance injury. But that seems like something he's going to play through. 
um, whether or not he's limited in his ability to throw the ball down the field. I mean, we saw that that deep bomb he threw at the end of the game. So I think he's going to be fine. Maybe they take it light and run the ball a little bit more in the next couple of weeks. And then also James Winston playing with four fractures in his back. I just don't know how much longer he can go playing like that, especially after he threw three interceptions um, against Tampa Bay. Yeah. So at, at the quarterback position, the big point, you know, the big thing to consider here, uh, you know, the first instinct of most people is to take the backup when the starter goes down, especially when the backup is someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, who has played in the league. Curtis, is that what you are advising or do you have another strategy in mind at the quarterback position? Yeah, I'd like to know your view on this situation after I discuss it. But yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those quarterbacks that I believe is benefiting from being coached into a good position. I don't think he's going to provide a huge ceiling for A, the team, and B, B in fantasy. So he's a guy I'm not really looking at. The 49ers play a little bit slow because they have so much motion. So it does take them a little bit longer to get snaps off. Uh, a guy you had mentioned last week was Marcus Mariota. I didn't love the matchup, and he actually got a couple of touchdowns in the game. I do love this matchup against the Seahawks this this week. That defense has looked atrocious early on. Even though the points haven't been there to show up on the scoreboard, they've had some pretty unsustainable red zone luck going in the in the first two weeks. So Mariota's averaged seven. Uh, fantasy points on the ground in his first two games that he's a threat to run. He's got going to give you that floor. And at some point, Art Smith will figure out Kyle Pitts. And even if he doesn't, he's still got Drake London, who looks absolutely amazing as well. So I do like the Falcons passing attack, especially this week against a, a Seahawks team that just doesn't keep control of the ball at all. They're get giving up over 10 minutes in time of possession a game. So the Falcons should have the ball. And then back to the well with old Jared Goff. He put up some passing touchdowns this last week. I know he's going to a hostile environment in Minnesota, but I didn't think that defense showed very well in the first half yesterday. So if if you can't get Mariota, Goff would be another guy you could go to who plays better indoors. Yeah, I you you asked me to comment on it. So uh, in, in my season long, uh, where I went uh, sit to, uh, I think I went seven and three for the second straight week. Um, I have a main event team that I drafted, but someone else handles waivers. And I pushed him to, he had, I had drafted Mariota and he dropped them week one. And I said, could you please get him back? So, and then Lance went down. I may have mentioned last week that I think Mariota is the cheapest of the Konami code quarterbacks, the guys with rushing end uh, passing upside. So the rushing gives you a nice floor. And if you hit a ceiling with passing, you can have a really good week. They've run the ball with him a lot. Um, so uh, again, I tend not to be as week to week with things, especially early. I, I kind of make my decisions more based on what I want. You know, tr- putting the best, most talent on my roster tends to be my overwhelming opinion rather than chasing an individual week. So the way I would handle uh, Marcus Mariota, if you don't have him, is I would I would say, you know, if you have Trey Lance, I'd rather have Marcus Mariota than Jimmy Garoppolo. 
but I would be careful not to overpay for either of them uh, unless your your team is really doing good and that's the one spot that you need to strengthen, which, again, that's a main event team that's 2-0. Thankfully, we, we have Mariota now, but I would be willing to spend in those situations where, you know, but what I don't want to do is spend 100 fab on a quarterback when, you know, a guy like Goff might be 20 and then end up, you know, if I if I don't have a great team, and then, you know, some running back who I would really improve my team uh, comes up on waivers in a week or two and I don't have enough to get him. That would be my thoughts, Curtis. Perfect. Your thoughts. Yep. Well, yeah, one part I didn't mention, that was last week when we were talking about the Dak Prescott injury. I think a little bit different situation because Prescott was coming back. So I was fine going week to week in that absence, whereas Trey Lance is not coming back. So I would be looking at a more stable full season option. So Mar- Mariota, like you said, cheapest of the Konami guys left. Maybe Justin Fields gets dropped. You could luck into that. But I'm, I'm being a little more aggressive with Mariota if I drafted Trey Lance versus Dak Prescott. I like it. And and I was more coming from how you said you didn't like Mariota's matchup this week. Yeah. That was more where I was coming from where if it's the right guy, I will go get him even if I have a bad matchup. But you know, that's why we do this show, to make each other better, as well as giving information to our opponents. Um, I like the Jared Goff call. Let's move over to the running back position and injuries. Uh, James Conner is injured. TDP got hurt. J.K. Dobbins, um, go, uh, go ahead, um, Tucker, and give us your thoughts on those running back injuries. Yeah, James Conner just suffered a, a pretty standard ankle sprain. They're considering him day-to-day, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he suits up for week three. I, I would say he's firmly firmly questionable right now. The, the issue would be, though, if he is out, it would pretty much be a running back by committee there with Darrell Williams and and, uh, and Benjamin. They split the carries almost equally after he went out for Arizona in week two. You mentioned TDP. He's got a high ankle sprain. He's probably out six to eight weeks, which just means – more, more touches for Jeff Wilson, who remains pretty much the last guy standing in that 49ers backfield. And then I threw in J.K. Dobbins as well, because this is a guy who I think a lot of people are expecting to have a big breakout year after missing all of last year in Baltimore. He was supposed to be ready to go week one. He still isn't healthy. And then the Ravens kind of dropped a note last week that they still consider him week to week. He's, he hasn't even progressed to being considered day-to-day internally by the team yet. So this is someone who... You look at their rushing attack outside of Lamar Jackson, they've been pretty putrid. I think they're averaging less than three yards per carry with Kenny and Drake and the rest of the guys there. If he comes back healthy, he'd be great, but I just I worry about when he's going to be ready because right now the, the timetable for his return is just non-existent. Curtis, who are your priority ads at the running back position, and how much are you looking to spend of your fab on them? Yeah, and this is one of those points where don't overspend this week. There's no one that you can just plug and play into your lineup. This is going to be a bench upgrade and stash week for the running back position. So we, we've got Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin. How that situation will play out is not uh, one where either will get the majority of the carries. They're going to split time and opportunities. So 
having them is not really a home run threat either if Connor goes down again, because I think they're going to eat into each other's workload and one will get some touchdowns here or there, but they're not just plug and play RB ones. They're going to be more back end RB twos. Uh, another guy that I liked seeing yesterday was Hassan Haskins with Hilliard out and Derek Henry looking old as can be and just not very explosive by the film Haskins can play a bit of the passing game role and I don't think the Titans are going to have a very favorable game script situation in the majority of their games this team is lacking offensive linemen they're just not looking very good and I feel they could be trailing quite a bit and whoever the passing down back is going to be will have some back end RB2 value just based on passing volume uh, Jordan Mason, if he's available in your league, did Jeff, Jeff Wilson got the lead carries, but I think they're still going to have two guys and Mason showed quite a bit of juice in the preseason. Could he overtake Jeff Wilson? I think it's in the range of outcomes. I wouldn't go crazy on getting him, but if he's available, I'm, I'm putting a pretty aggressive bid on him because I think he could get there a little bit quicker than any of these other guys. And as we had mentioned, Jimmy G's more of a system quarterback. He's not a threat to run. That works out better for running back targets. At the wide receiver position, Gabe Davis missed last night with an ankle injury. It certainly, as uh, you mentioned earlier, did not stop. Uh, as Tucker mentioned, did not stop the Bills from being dominant. Uh, Jerry Judy got hurt. Uh, Michael Pittman is still uh, missed last week. Hunter Renfro, and then I think we need to discuss the Buccaneers mess. Um, Tucker, uh, take us through the the multiple injuries at the wide receiver position. Yeah, it's just a a wasteland right now at wide receiver. You mentioned Gabe Davis. He got hurt, I think, the last day or the last play of practice uh, on Saturday before their Monday night game, and that was something that that kept him out on Monday night. I don't know if it's going to be a long-term issue, but because it occurred so late in the week, I do worry about his availability for week three for Buffalo. Jerry Judy's the guy who uh, he, he suffered a rib injury. They don't expect that to be a long-term thing. So I would expect to see him probably limited in practice this week. And, and I would probably lean towards him playing in week three. Michael Pittman, they seem pretty confident that he's going to be back for week three after missing with a groin injury um, in week two. And then Hunter Renfro, who, who suffered that concussion, um, on the last play of the game, that'll be interesting because, like we've talked about before with concussions, you can't come back until Thursday at the earliest. That's how how quickly you can move through concussion protocol. So if you have Hunter Renfro, you're pretty much in the dark uh, until Thursday or Friday. And then you mentioned the Buccaneers. I mean, that team right now with Mike Evans suspended one week, I know he's appealing, but right now he's not going to play. Chris Godwin missed last week with a hamstring injury. Julio Jones was a game-time decision. He was out. And you even had Russell Gage, who was a bit of a game time decision, ended up playing. I mean, that's the top four wide receivers on that team who all carry questions heading into this week. And I know Tom Brady's still throwing. I know Donovan Smith might be back from that hyperextended elbow, but even their backup left tackle, Josh Wells, got hurt and they were down to a third string there. But right now, I mean, Tampa Bay looks like you're heading into week three. They have Russell Gage, Brashad Perryman, and Scotty Miller. That as their top three wide receivers, which is pretty crazy considering where they were to, to start the season with Evans, Godwin, and Julio Jones. 
I played a little of Perriman in DFS, and he did get a touchdown. Um, I got too much wrong this week. Um, as I mentioned, I was on the right quarterbacks the wrong week. So uh, that didn't help me. But I do like uh, Brashad Perriman's big play ability for daily fantasy, Curtis. But it's harder to count on him for season long. And I want to know who your favorites are at the wide receiver position. Yeah, it's hard to count on any of those Buccaneers pass catchers right now as the offenses went in a complete different direction as they did last year. They're running the ball on first and second down at a way higher rate, and they're winning on based on defense alone right now. They're near the bottom of the league in EPA per play, and it's just difficult to even worry about that situation just because they're not having any success right now. We're going to have to wait till their pass catchers are back and they start to throw the ball a little bit more and utilize Tom Brady a little bit better before we're going to target any Buccaneers guy. If there is one, I, I would make it Perriman just because of the lack of competition out there. He could have another big game and he's always a big play threat. So that could get you by for a week. Who are the people that you are interested in at the wide receiver position? Yeah, just a couple fill-in names. Uh, again, part of the strategy for the wide receivers is just picking up a guy or two that can you can stick in your lineup for one or two weeks that cost you 10 fab out of your $1,000 budget versus spending a ton. Uh, Greg Dorch, he got there last week. It took a while for him to get there, but I see him having another good week this week with playing the Rams. They're difficult to run against and Ramsey might be shadowing Marquise Brown. So some quick passes to Dorch makes sense. Noah Brown uh, seems to be a pretty solid target for the Cowboys quarterbacks early on in the year. Those are the two I would feel confident plugging and playing. There's Ashton Doolin as well. He did play a quite a 13 snaps when Michael Pittman played and was targeted on a high percentage of those snaps. So even if Pittman comes back, I think Doolin's role in this offense is increasing. So he's a guy you could get on the cheap and kind of monitor that situation. And his role going forward might increase because there's not a lot of talent in the pass catchers there. But if Pierce comes back, that's just the situation to monitor as well. And then the, the Broncos situation, Oh, the, what, what a disaster that offense has been in the play calling and ha having a Russ on a new contract. It, it couldn't have went any worse these first two games, in my opinion, for that new era of Broncos football. But KJ Hamler, he's got the ability to play and be successful. I just don't know where he's at with that injury. And that's something to monitor tomorrow if he's practicing or not, because if Judy misses some time, Hamler is a good receiver. He's fast. He he can play and he can get open. So that's one situation I'm monitoring. But yet again, not willing to invest too much this week on these guys, just maybe 10 or 15 fab just to get them in your lineup for a week if you have a hole and go from there. One guy that I would be willing to put on rosters where I have some drops is Justin Watson of the Chiefs. Um, what do you think about that one? Yeah, absolutely. He He's the guy we want Sky more to be. But yet again, he looked like he went out with an injury at the end of that game as well. 
but it's something to monitor. He's definitely ahead of Sky more on the depth chart, and the other uh, Nicole Hardman and Marquez Valdez Scantling aren't all that much better, and he's a big play threat too. So he's a guy you can also get a nice week out of here and there, and his role could increase moving forward too. Let's move over to the tight end position, Tucker. And obviously the injury we want to hear the most about is um, Dalton Schultz. Um, But I know you still want to talk about no Kittle as well. Yeah, Dalton Schultz's injury doesn't seem to be long-term. Jerry Jones was his usual optimistic self um, in talking this week and, and said he pretty much is questionable, may miss this week. I would say he probably will be out this week, but it won't be a long-term issue. He'll probably be back by week four or week five at the latest. And once again, George Kittle's still out with that groin injury. was limited in practice later in the week and got closer. But Kyle Shanahan was a lot more optimistic than he was this time a week ago when he pretty much ruled Kittle out from the jump heading into week two. He now says he has a much better shot of playing in week three. However, I will... Uh, proceed with a little bit of caution because there was a report yesterday that the 49ers were working out some tight ends uh, to maybe add to the back end to their roster or their practice guide, which would indicate he may not be as close uh, to return as they might think. Curtis, um, tight end tends to be a spot where we can, especially in non-tight end premium leagues, find people on the waiver wire. Who are your favorite people to pick up? at tight end and how much are you willing to spend on them? Yeah. Tight end. Woof. Uh, the position this year has just been pretty unremarkable. Even you, the high end tight ends, AKA Kyle Pitts has caught, has underwhelmed in both opening games. So <laughs> just, just, yeah, just the position that it, it's tough to play around tight end there. They either score a touchdown and you're happy or, catch one or two balls it's one of those situations where you're you're right week to week you can just try to find someone that'll fill a hole and go on to the next week i think i was uh surprised by mike gazicki's usage in this last week he obviously he's not a blocker he hasn't blocked in the past so nice to see that he got to run a few more routes but he's still second second and third fiddle or second fiddle to hill and waddle as well uh, Austin Hooper, another offense that isn't very strong, but he was out on the field. Um, and then there's a player I'm going to bring up when we talk in our next segment that has some interest to me. All right, let's uh, stay with you, Curtis, and talk about how to stream uh, defense and kickers this week if you are indeed streaming defenses. Yeah, defenses, I'm going to go take a homer approach here and go with the Cowboys. I think that the Cowboys are going to give the Giants O-line a bunch of fits this week. The Giants have allowed a league-high pressure rating on almost 50% of dropbacks, and Micah Parsons has looked like a beast out there. So I think he is going to have a great day, and Daniel Jones is always capable of a sack fumble for a touchdown. So is, I'm, is I'm it going... true that Micah Parsons over under on sacks this week is 14? <laughs> it might be. Um, it, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to probably, instead of targeting a lot of fab on some 
roster holes, I'm probably going to target something like the Cowboys this week and be a little more aggressive and spend a little more on fab for a defense than I normally would for my teams that are owing to just to try and get a bit of an edge in that aspect. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, all right. So, um, let's talk about injuries and guys that are a few weeks out. Um, that's one of the things that I mentioned I wanted to go over. Um, is there anyone on waivers that you would consider picking up, uh, Tucker based on guys who will be coming back in a few weeks? If you have an extra roster spot, you want to be ahead of the gang. No, I still don't have anybody coming back from injury this early that, that I'm looking at and expecting to step into a big role. The one guy that I, I would consider, and he's not coming back from injury, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did add Cole Beasley to their practice squad yesterday, considering the, the litany of issues they have at wide receiver right now, and considering he kind of fits that Tom Brady slot receiver role that, that he loved having in, in uh, New England when he was with the Patriots. He could be someone that if you have an extra roster spot, you can stash him. And if Julio Jones's uh, hamstring doesn't heal up, which if you remember last year, it really never did. If uh, Chris Godwin ends up being out for a longer period of time, which considering he's coming out, coming back from a torn ACL for his hamstring injury, that might be a while too. Cole Beasley could kind of sneak his way into having a, a, a pretty big role in that offense. Um, I know, Curtis, you have one guy that you're looking at in this uh, category. Yeah, and it's more because of the underwhelming of a guy that I was high on early on until the signals were that he was might not be a big part of the offense. So I'm going very curious on Greg Dolchich. He's got hype right at the beginning of Broncos camp and was in the beat writers mentions at all times. And Albert O just hasn't got the confidence of that Nathaniel Hackett coaching staff. So he's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on. It might be a little early to pull the trigger right now, but as Albert O had zero catches on Sunday, he's a guy that could come back and make an immediate impact because I think the coaching staff want he's their guy they drafted him they want to get him in involved in this offense more than they're willing to get albert o involved so he's a guy i'm going to keep an eye on moving forward we have a new segment we are rolling out this week that we are going to do every week which is our one must add and one must drop segment where we each of us will give a player to add that you know you must add and that you must drop it's kind of reminds me of how a lot of shows have uh, what's your hot take of the week. It, this is kind of um, it's a good segment of who we're prioritizing and who we have given up on. But it's also a fun segment and it's how we're going to end the show the rest of the year. We're going to rotate each week who goes first, who goes second and who goes third. This week, our injury maven, Tucker Badgley, you get your um, you get first shot at uh, must-add and must-drop. Who do you like and who don't you like and why? So so the guy I like and the, the guy I'm looking to add, and partly because I am someone with a lot of Trey Lance and, and I feel a little stung by his injury, but I, I look at Jared Goff as someone who you look at the, the Lions offense right now, they put up 35 in week one, they put up 36 in week two. 
They play Minnesota in week three, a, a defense that got absolutely torched by Jalen Hurts on Monday Night Football in the first week. And Jared Goff's had success against Minnesota. He threw three touchdowns against them in his last start. He had a five-touchdown perfect pass rating performance against them when he was in Los Angeles. And that that Lions offense is potent. I know we, we like a lot of the weapons they have there, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, who was limited to an ankle injury, and even Amon Ross St. Brown, I think might be the least talked about star wide receiver in the NFL. Him just being the point guard, him just commanding that offense and, and getting the ball out, I think they're going to score enough points to where he will be a viable fantasy option every week. I think he's eighth among quarterbacks right now in, in scoring through two weeks. I, I'm really high on him if you're someone like me who are, are, are kind of left without an answer at quarterback right now. And the guy that I, I would drop this week is Chase Edmonds, who in, in Miami – you look at that offense, and they, they've been struggling to run the ball, and they really have no interest in running the ball. But Raheem Mostert outsnapped him. He's outperformed him through two weeks. Chase Edmonds never really been a guy who's been a bell cow back. I, I think he's working his way now simply through his own ineffectiveness into being a, a complimentary player in that offense. Curtis? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I've had to watch CeeDee Lamb underwhelm on a bunch of my teams, so – Cowboys D might be a, per, a, a position that can put up 20 points. We've got Daniel Jones. He's been under pressure. He's known to throw some interceptions or fumble the ball. So shutout is in the range of outcomes, dare I say. Um, so I think the Cowboys D is going to crush this week. And then they have Carson Wentz up next week, who is always under pressure or seemingly under pressure. And they have a chance to crush for two straight weeks. Guy I'm going to drop is Kenny Galladay just because, yeah, he's not very good anymore. You just, we see those clashers just fall off a hill when they reach a certain age and he just hasn't won over that coaching staff. And I don't think he cares. He's getting paid anyway. So he may as well just sit on the sideline and you can just, he's, he's droppable now. Dable gave Galladay a holiday. Yeah. Um, for for me, uh, my must add is uh, Mason, Jordan Mason, the running back of the Niners. If he's still out there, I think with two injuries at the running back position and the upside there, um, he's my number one priority add. My number one priority drop is uh, CJ Spiller. And he was a guy I was high on, but I don't like to draft. I mean, I don't like to hold on to guys that even with an injury, they're likely to be in a three-way committee. I'd rather use that roster spot somewhere else. So that's going to do it for this week of the waiver and injury show for Sharp Football Analysis. I'm your host, Todd Burrows, and we will see you all next week.